this is John, aka JLab, and you're listening to the Decisive Podcast Series. Hope you're all keeping well and good out there, healthy and fit, um, staying sane and keeping your heads above water. Um, this is the next stop in the series of exclusive live podcasts I'm doing for Decisive this year. And I'd like to dedicate this one to all those people out there who've kept things running whilst we've all been in lockdown. Um, the nurses, the doctors, the care workers, um, the supermarket workers, uh, the people delivering the stuff in trucks and, and all those people who've yeah, basically kept things rolling and uh, sometimes at uh, risk to their own health. So um, big shout out to those people and a special shout out to um, all my free rotation um, family. Um, people who put on the festival and all the lovely people who come and attend um, that's what normally I'll be preparing for right now so yeah big shout out to those as well so stay safe and well and enjoy big ups to everyone it is 16th of July 2020 I am Roberto Ingram and of course you are listening to the decisive podcast series the newly bi-monthly series, that's right, live series. I am glad to have with me uh, my guest, J-Lab, today. This is, what, your third time, right, Jay? That's right, yeah, that's right. That's on, yeah. And we, and we both hope that you are staying safe and positive through these trying times, and particularly those of you that are working in bars, clubs, and musicians, DJs, and live acts, those of you that... Uh, are affected by this corona epidemic. Uh, we hope that you are doing well. My guest, Jonathan Dickens, lives in Berlin, and after hearing his live improvisational sets, I invite him to join me for this bi-monthly series. Um, he will he has uh, performed his live act for us, for you, uh, exclusively every other month, and I'm glad to have him back. Jonathan, welcome back, bro. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Hope you're well and good. Yeah, man, trying to uh, keep keep positive, staying away from the news if I can. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's like that, isn't it? Um, I keep an eye on it, you know, forewarned is forearmed. But, um, you know, uh, I've got enough on my plate at the moment um, with the garden summer. And, uh... um, Jonathan, what have you been up to lately for the last few months? Um, well, uh, spending time in the garden and making music mainly. Um, your garden, your best friend now. Yeah, right? yeah, we've got a kind of garden, so you know, been putting stuff in, watching it grow, watching some of it get eaten by the mice. Um, right. and uh, yeah, a lot, yeah, a lot yeah, of mice, huh? Well, yeah, we have one murdered a pumpkin plant, um, okay. murdered one, damaged another, but that's growing back. And then there's a third pumpkin plant, and something has eaten the first three pumpkins that are formed on it. Um, but you know, yeah, you win some, you lose some. How many, pumpkin, <laughs> how many pumpkin plants have you lost? Well, lost one, got two. One's gonna flower, but I don't know whether it will produce any decent pumpkins before, like, you know, the season's over. Oh, really? uh, we'll see. Had a bumper crop of cherries, which is good. How long does it uh, take to? Uh... How long does it to take the grow pumpkins? 
Um, a couple of months, a couple of months, two oh. or three before they start forming, yeah, yeah. It depends how much sun they're getting and how good the soil is. And Berlin's got notoriously crap ground because it's all sand. It's all sand under the sea. So, yeah, um, it's not like Britain where stuff just like ping grows like that. You have to coax it along a bit, you know? which you wouldn't think of it being such a green city, but you know. Yeah, it's pretty hard to get stuff to grow well here. Yeah, how you been coping with this uh, this COVID and the, the the new numbers? I guess there's not so many big numbers in Berlin. It looks like Germany's doing a pretty good job as opposed to America. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, you know, one can one can only wonder. One can only wonder. Um, um, no, I've been doing all right. Um, you know. The lockdown we had, I could still get out and ride my bike. I could mm -hmm. still to do the garden. Right. Um, so you know, I mean, I really feel for these people in countries like Italy and Spain who are on full lockdown. And uh, you know, they have smaller apartments over there than what we have in Germany. I mean, German apartments are quite big, um, really, compared to a lot of places in the world. Uh -huh. um, you know, uh, so yeah. Uh, I know, like, I've got friends in Italy, um, and it was bloody hard for them, you know, friends in Naples who've got children as well, like, mm -hmm. living in the city centre, two small kids, mm -hmm. like, six and four, you know, kids just want to get out and run, you know. You don't have any kids, right? No, okay. no. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And and, and I was, I've got an Italian friend here in Berlin. I was talking to him. Now, his family's right from down south. He's from the heel of Italy, right down there. And in the, like, the district where his mum and dad live, which is quite rural, mm -hmm. they only had two cases of COVID. Mm -hmm. They only had two cases. Only, how did they maneuver this? Yeah, well, well this is it, you see. I mean, you, you know, any illness, any illness, um, benefits from proximity of people. Yeah, yeah, and true, 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 So, you know, it's obviously going to not spread further in big mm -hmm. cities like London and Paris, Madrid, than what it is in rural areas. Right. So, um, yeah. Um, you don't have any family mem members uh, affected by this at all? Uh, no, I mean, I've got my mum. No, I've got no brothers and sisters. I mean, my mum, my mum, she's in Britain, my stepdad, and like, you know, they live in a small village. They go out like once a week to do the shopping. Um, I mean, they don't go out much anyway, but obviously they haven't been out to see friends and stuff like that. Although, you know, they've seen a few now. They've, you know, well, lockdown in Britain, that was a complete um, farce with the Dominic Cummings thing. I mean, you know, and uh, yeah, uh, what can you say? What can you say? Um, yeah. Any any uh, new information uh, on the Berlin scene? Well, um, everything's still sort of closed here. Um, they're talking maybe, they're, they're, they're mentioning end of October, beginning November, things possibly starting up again. You can still go to church, um, you know. I mean, my friend lives near a church in Neukölln. It's, it's been more packed out since this COVID thing. Maybe the believers are feeling, you know, feeling a bit scared and they're all flocking to church, you know. 
I don't know, but he, you know, that's the thing. You know, there's two or three hundred people going to that church, but it's two or three hundred people can't go and watch a gig, and they're not necessarily socially distanced in the church. They've got pews. Oh, you oh, know? So, so they're not social distancing. Well, not, 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 not. I mean, stuff. people are socially distancing, but they're not. I mean, of course, you also you've got these people are like, you know, going slightly stir crazy. I mean, you've had a lot of parties breaking out in the parks, forests, and that around the city. Um, uh, and a, yeah, yeah, big cat and mouse thing going on there with uh, with the police and stuff. And apparently they've been deploying drones and stuff like that to fly over. So oh, that's cool. You know, because 27% of the metropolitan area of this city is forest. Mm-hmm. You know, which is that's a quarter of the land is forest. You haven't had a chance to get out, have a drink or anything. Are you, how, how are you managing your private time? I mean, um, like the bars and restaurants are open again, albeit with social distancing and all that. Um, so I have been out, have been out, and um, we left the city a few weeks ago, went camping just outside the city at a friend's nice. camp, which is great. Go again next week. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, it wasn't too bad there. It was a bit socially distant and stuff like that on the campsite. But, you know, it was okay, actually. It worked okay at that campsite because they haven't got a huge amount of facilities and cutting the capacity of the campsite down 40% actually means you're not queuing up for anything. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> not queuing to use a can in the morning. You have all you know the space mean? you need, right? So, yeah, I... Uh, um, how long was the how long was the camping trip? Yeah, just, just three day? days, just three oh, days. Just, yeah. Oh, just took a train out and then rode there, put all the gear on the bikes and rode there. And yeah, it was nice. It was nice. Wow, I'm, I'm jealous, man. I need to get out. <laughs> I need to get out more often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you find yourself um, searching for new ways to make money? Um, doing what you do? I mean, there- I've got a bit of work coming up next month, which is nothing to do with music or entertainment um, at all, which I've flipped my way, which is good. But uh, I'm still getting some money at the moment. Plus, I've been focusing a lot of my time on you know, my own projects and uh, other boring stuff like tax return. That's sort of thing. <laughs> Well, it gives you a lot of time to take care of this stuff, you know? Yeah, well, you know, you need it, don't you? I mean, you know what I mean? German tax returns, crikey. Um, yeah, I mean... And so I've been doing that. It could be worse. Uh, and, and, and doing a lot of music, doing a lot of music, um, you know, mm-hmm. preparing these bloody live sets and stuff. And also, I've been doing some other bits, sort of away from techno and... I put out a, a kind of album, mini album. It's only five tracks, it's 47 minutes length, and I'm old school. Albums were never longer than three quarters an hour when I was a kid, unless it went double, because that's all you can get on vinyl and make it sound good. Um, so I, I, I did a couple of tracks, experimental things, in the dead of the night sort of thing, you know, when I was kind of tired. The Alpha Waves there, that one really nice came out well, had a couple of other tracks sitting around on the hard drive, which had come from a similar sort of vibe in the middle of the night. And then another track, which was, I mean, they're all disparate styles, but they were kind of all made under the same mindset and they all basically happened. That's what you hear is what was played at the time recorded and that was that. 
So they kind of have an underlying, and and, the, and they kind of sat well together. And I thought, yeah, I'm just, I just have a feeling I stuck it out. I just stuck it out there. Uh, it's done quite well, actually. Best thing I've had out on Bandcamp. I'm just like, I'm really well. Oh, so it's up on Bandcamp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After Dark Excursions, it's called. And yeah. where do they find this? Where, where does the people find this, uh, oh. new, the new stuff? Uh, let me just, um, I'm going to I'm gonna just pull up my Bandcamp address because I haven't got a paid account, so I've got an exclusive. My, my, my Bandcamp is jlab, j-minus, minus, hyphen, lab, one, dot bandcamp dot com and then you find the whole that's my sort of shop homepage then you find all the releases up there the tracks yeah it's starting to look good I, I see you uh, updated it and uh, added some new stuff and look, new look yeah 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 I've been working so, stuff on that you know uh, and it's good my music's a good balm for the soul I, the people I really feel for or do I feel for them? Do I pity? I don't know. Because some people, people I work with, for instance, and we're all, all of us in entertainment are on, in the same boat here in Berlin. But people who don't read, people who ain't got something, you know, a passion in their life or even just a hobby, people who ain't, you know, got nothing other than work and going to the kniper. Oh, they're having a hard time. They're having a hard time. They're having a hard time and uh, you know for me uh, the way I see it is okay you know one thing that the whole COVID-19 lockdown that's that's an attack on one front but just a lack of interest in other things in life well they've done it to themselves sort of thing you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah have you been have you been contacted by any um, uh, clubs or bars to do maybe something outdoors or, uh no, I haven't. I haven't. And I haven't. I've kind of been waiting to see how it pans out. Um, you know, uh, I've done I've done some strange gigs in my life. I've done some strange gigs in my life. And wicked gigs. I've played in the British Museum and stuff like this. Wow, nice. Yeah. Um, when was that? Oh, that was 2004. Okay. 2004, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did for a couple of years. They did a series of electronic music events on the Friday night at the British Museum. It was, uh, you know, and uh, one year we played the first year they had it. It was insane. They had Aphex Twin DJing in, in the courtyard of the British uh, Victorian Albert Museum. Sorry, not the British Museum. Victorian Albert British Museum and never do anything like that. Sort of stole the goods. <laughs> They'd be afraid people yeah. taking things back. How'd you pull that off? <laughs> so they Victorian Albert, which is more the cultural sort of museum where they have all the big rock exhibitions and that, and they've got a permanent room of rock and pop. And and stuff. They had these events. I remember Apex Twin playing one year and he's playing the most insane brain dance, you know, his mashup of techno and drum and bass and God knows what, 160 big PMs. There's 3,000 people going completely mental outside, massive sound system. And in the middle of this courtyard at the time, the glass sculptor Tihui had a major retrospective exhibition there. Uh-huh. And there was this 20 metre high glass sculpture made out of blown glass in different colors fragile as you like sitting there in front of about 15k of sound system and you're thinking hmm this could end really badly it didn't 
I mean, you know, and I remember that 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 music going on around around the around the gallery. Pan Pan Sonic played there one year. I think that was the same year. And they were playing in in one hall that was full of Ming vases. And you had Panasonic's music full of like, you know, heavy sub and industrial sort of sounds and brought into the room and the whole room's just like vibrating. Vibrating and you've got the you know museum staff standing there looking at these Ming vases that are priceless, thousands of years old. Thinking, they've survived war, revolution, transport halfway around the world, and kind of Finnish techno guys are going to do for them, you know. <laughs> Can you briefly describe brain dance? <laughs> well, that's 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 kind of like that that's kind of got coined around reflex records and the, the kind of music that comes out there, particularly Aphex Twins, stuff like that. You know, there's mashup of, of techno, drum and bass, high BPM, a lot of changes, almost like jazz or prog rock like in its complexity, you know. Dancing messes your head up, you know. You better dance like a nutter, otherwise you're gonna get confused if you stand there and think about it, that kind of stuff. I mean, you got people like Aphex and, you know, Square Pusher in his early days and uh, Music and Mike Dredd. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it was all, there was a whole bunch of people, like, you know, around Reflex, just making insane music, you know, with extreme acid bass and stuff like that. I mean, you think of some of the more extreme end of Apex's output, you know. I see that um, there's uh, a lot of live stream for uh, DJs. Um, there is, yeah. In, in, uh, yeah, these days. But, um, um, has it died down a little bit since our last meeting? There's, a, there's kind of a lot of people doing you it. You think they're getting better? Um, they are get, I mean, obviously, there, there's the people who've always been set up to do live stream and stuff like that, doing stuff. Um, I haven't checked out so much because I've just been busy with my own stuff and that. I've checked out a few things that friends have been doing and that. And um, a friend of mine was involved in like an online festival a couple of weeks ago that was not just music, but had people talking and stuff like that. It was quite good, but they managed the whole thing through Zoom, the stream. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the sound quality when like, you know, you're trying to shove a DJ set down that was a bit... Yeah, yeah. What's oh, like, was it a 72k <laughs> three or something? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah, it didn't, I you see. know. I mean, the, the best things I've seen was like at the start of the whole lockdown thing, Jordan from Juju and Jordash, he would just do a stream from his studio every day, 15 to 30 minutes, just play what he felt like. Um, a lot of it ambient stuff like that. He ended up collecting it all together and putting it out, some of it out, and um, the best bits, compiled it all together, topped and tailed it, and released it as an album on Bandcamp. But that was great. That was personal. It was his personal decision to do that, and there was something really cool about it. But um, Carl Cox is doing a very good job. Every time I, um, he goes online, I get a, a, a notification, and he seems to be really having it mastered um yeah no nothing nothing less to two to five thousand viewers 
Yeah. And yeah, and uh, I just saw a post uh, from Nastya DJ, um, her doing her Ukrainian um, live stream project, which is fantastic. I think um, they stepped it up a level, uh, giving you a visual club vibe um, with fashion mannequins uh, on the dance floor. And, oh, cool. And, yeah. Yeah. With a really, really high end um, visual company. Along with the with sound and and with the representing all her Ukrainian um, artists and DJs. This is cool. You see, I think I mean um, Eric DJ Bone. He's, he's done a few things for Radion in Amsterdam as well. Never actually had socially distanced events there, so he's kind of like uh, Radi. Okay, Radion. Okay. I, I don't know if they're allowed to dance, but he's he's adapted really really well because what he's done. Um, because these events are not so much about dance, and, you know, because of social distance, only so many people can dance, the rest of the people sit around, there's only about, I think, less than 100 people there. So he's been doing like, you know, he's been treating the DJ sets like a history lesson. Right, time to get an education. Time to get an education in Detroit techno. Time to get an education in disco. And, you know, he's got a massive collection. You know, and that's what I feel like. I was in a club the other week, which has opened up, has opened its garden up as a beer garden side thing. So everyone sort of socially distanced on tables, that sort of thing. No dancing, got tables on the dance floor. But it was funny because the DJs, you think that the people who are benefiting from this at the moment, the people like like um, the Ukrainian artists you mentioned, Eric, who are thinking, okay, you know, you're not have a, you know, you're not playing to a club full of dancing people. You can do something a little bit different. Highlight a local scene. Highlight some of the records that inspired the records you love. You know, educate people a little bit whilst entertaining them at the same time. You know. Um, I love that, you know, I love coming away from a, a set in a club or something, you know, what the fuck was that, I just uh, got to find that out, blah, blah, blah. I would love that Free Rotation would do something like this. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of, I kind of I think been kind of talked about it, or it may have been think, thought about, but coordinating certain things with that, um, it's a lot of sort of work. Stevie and Susie have been working on their garden. They've done a magnificent job. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. incredible. It's like, whoa. You know, done like, like just smashed it out, which is good because, you know, they need to grow some food. Their garden is huge. Well, their garden, surprisingly enough, the plots they've got, they're not so, not as big as they look on photographs. And uh, everything's, you know, they live on a 45 degree slope. Do you know what I mean? Like you walk into the back of their house, you're on the ground floor. By you walk, by the time you walk yeah. across that same floor to the other side of the house, you're one floor above because there's a floor underneath because it's built into the side of the hill. Um, and so they're on a 45 degree slope, so they've got tight land, and you have to, you know, you have to be very, very careful what you do there. You know, get a lot of rain there, and if you're not careful, you just wash all your soil away. So um, it was a lot of work to kind of set it all up. Um, and, you know, obviously they're not going to be getting a lot of income this year, so it's good they're growing a lot of their own food, you know. Free rotation. They're suffering. Well, everyone, yeah. Because no one's traveling. No one's able to travel. You think uh, flights, people traveling can resume anytime soon or we, we might as well get well, rid of the second wave? It's a tough one. It, it, it's a tough one to answer. I mean, flights are resuming, but you 
it all depends on what sort of local controls they have. Yeah? Like, for instance, um, I'll be able to get a flight from here. here. But the, the thing I was looking at was the government in the UK comes for two weeks, saying that's not necessary. But because the UK is classed as a high-risk country by the German government, they might insist that I quarantine for two weeks coming back. You don't know. So there's a lot of uncertainty around there. I understand people that think that it's just another flu or they think uh, they're not doing anything to actually at least be safe for others. Um, that we this will continue for a while. And only people that will suffer is those that count on tourism and also uh you know it could be your family member um and uh, i think it's kind of uh is it inhumane to just think of yourself you know I, i'm of the belief i'm of the belief having seen what you know my grand my grandmother went through and other people but i'm of the belief that you know governments don't act in our interests that's in their own interests they always do, they always have, um, because just simply uh, ask anyone who's run a company and stuff like that, or has been in any position of authority, particularly if it's come through promotion and stuff, half your time when you get to the top table is wasted making sure that you stay on the top table, huh? keep the power, yeah? So you have actually very little time to get on with what you think you might want to achieve. This this goes this goes for a lot of things. This is a human psychology thing. It's interesting to note in 2003 when the first SARS swept through the world, it killed 68,000 people in Germany. There wasn't any lockdown. There wasn't any quarantine. There wasn't any of this, you know. And pe people have forgotten that, that it, when I came back, well, I remember reading online when I was in Spain last year, shortly before we flew back, oh, big flu outbreak in Germany. And there was in October, November, there was a big, big, nasty flu outbreak. And because of the work I do, I remember like, you know, when we were, I did an arena show and that, you know, my boss sort of says, you know, be careful to shaking hands and stuff. There's a lot of flu going around at the moment. And it killed a lot of people, killed about 40,000 people. And nothing's been mentioned about it. I do think that everyone I know, I've got a friend who was in investment banking. He's not anymore. He's got out because there's no point in being in the game anymore. Um, it's uh, And he's got his money. He's got a bloody nice house in North London. He lives on the same street as Pink Floyd's drummer. And he looks out and has an Aston Martin and a BMW every morning when he gets up. So it's fair to say he knows his onions when it comes to making money and how the financial system works. He, he warned me a year or so ago that, you know, within the next year or two, the global economy is going to pop because all credit lines are exhausted and all scams to generate new credit lines are exhausted. The last one being the internet.com bubble of just scooping up people's information to sell on. And he said it's going to be nasty. I, you know, and I've read lots of different analysis points to this from The Economist to The Guardian, both sides of the political spectrum. Everyone knew this was coming. People in finance, people in industry. Germany didn't do so well as last year as it has done, you know. Oh, maybe we're entering recession, blah, blah, blah. Everyone knew this was coming. And I think what the governments didn't want 
was a situation what happened in 2008, which caught everyone by surprise and caused a lot of heartache and pain and a lot of anger. And I think they used the COVID-19 thing and the whole, this shutting down of everything, shutting down of everything as a means of closing down the global economy with a plausible excuse. I don't believe they did it for our health, no matter how dangerous it's out there. Now, I have a friend of mine who's a geneticist and virologist. He says the corona, COVID-19 is a coronavirus. Why, the corona means crown. These are viruses which sit at the top of the virus pyramid, if you like. They include the common cold. The common cold is coronavirus, is a coronavirus. Have they ever developed a vaccine for it? No, this is why they're known as the coronaviruses, because you can't treat them, you have to live with them, but you can combat them if they get into your body. Vitamins, sunshine, garlic, turmeric, ginger, all this sort of stuff, leafy greens, orange juice, you know. Uh, a virus might think it's big and hard, but a virus is dead, you know. There's more life in a Coldplay concert than what there is in a virus. They're that dead. <laughs> they're dead material, and they say they need something to attach to in the body, but there's certain things which just will destroy them, you know, like pouring bleach on something, you know, and, you know, garlic, raw garlic, stuff like this. You know, it's about, and it's, and it's funny that, interesting people I know, that the countries where where the virus seems to have hit hard, but really, I mean, a friend of mine said this, but Italy grows a lot of its own food. Italian people grow more of their own food than any other country in Europe. Yeah, definitely. They grow about a quarter. Yeah, they grow a quarter. Right? They just love growing. I mean, smiles on the balcony, anything like that. Crikey, I knew a sound engineer in Rome had a plum tree on his balcony 10 metres up. So many people in his block, he lived in a big 18-storey tower in the middle of Rome, so many people had flute cheese on balconies that they had nets all around the building because an apple falling from 100 feet up will kill you. And his neighbour two floors up, he had, you know, I looked off his balcony, he's got a plum tree, neighbour's got a cherry tree, the guy above him's got an apple tree. Everyone's growing, everyone's growing. So they have a lot of vitamins, a lot of homegrown food, sunshine, all the rest of it. They have a very healthy diet, and they got hammered. I mean, Britain, America, USA has got an appalling diet. The amount of vitamins in the per, per kilo of food that Americans eat is woefully low. A factory produced crap. A friend of mine here in Munich, uh, she's Karen uh, Edwards. She's a professional pianist, a concert pianist, uh, uh, classical, and uh, she also has a small balcony, but it's full <laughs> of peas and, and lettuce and green beans and uh, 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 carrots and all different kinds of vegetables. So a lot of people are in the, uh, encouraged to to grow their own vegetable. That's a, that, I, that, yeah, I think that's a good thing, but it takes also takes time before you can harvest them so i mean it does take time it's not like convenient but like you know i once for a year as an experiment because i had a farmer's market near where i lived in london so i, I um so it's only seasonal produce so i thought and i'm vegetarian i thought could i exist on a seasonal diet so i tried it for a year yeah it's possible it gets a bit grim in the spring um, there's always a lean season in the spring as you're waiting for winter crops finish and you're waiting for the spring crops to start. 
you know, even in Great Britain, it's doable. But yeah, it does take time. But I think, you know, uh, it's reclaiming your sovereignty because you're growing what you put in your body and your body's what you put. Your, your body, what you look at, is the sum total of what you've eaten in the last 18 months. It takes about 18 months for the body to completely renew itself, every cell. You are what you ate the last year and a half. You are what you eat. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I've never seen a human being standing at a fucking gas station with a being pumped down his throat. You know, there's only one thing we work on. That's food, food, water, and sunlight. <laughs> with that said, people, grow your own food and you're healthy. <laughs> Let's talk about the recording and and the show today. Um, what can you tell us about your thoughts during the improv? And what's, was there any particular, anything particular that uh, you can tell us? Well, I mean, a whole bunch of this material came up. I splurged a load, a load of ideas. I thought, I'll splurge a load of ideas. I did this for a couple of weeks, just um, after I did the last podcast, just as lockdown started. And I thought, I'll splurge ideas, you know, just sketches, half an hour on each one, build up, I don't know, 28 ideas after a week. And then I went back and listened to it and I thought, oh, some of this stuff's good. Um, and I worked it up. So it sort of came, you know, it's all very fresh sort of stuff. How long does it, does it take for you to re-listen? You get the idea. How, how long does this kind of a process take? Well, it, it's a bit like sculpture, really. You, see, you know, you get the basic form quite quickly, or I do. You know, you know, basic thing, bass drum stuff. I'm not too worried about sounds. Just get an idea going. Yeah, it's a process of refinement, and that well, that could go on indefinitely if you wanted it to. There's a process of refinement. At some point, you know, you think. Mm, you know, this, this, these, these group of tracks, these group of ideas, they feel good together and I start jamming them out together, mucking around and then, you know, getting confident with the material. Because I find I find it complicated when you start uh, ideas and you have all these ideas and then you leave them and you don't know where, where the idea came from or how to continue when you walk away from it. Yeah. yeah, well, sometimes you get that. I think it's always good to get a rough idea, do a little two or three minute jam or make a little two or three minute arrangement in Ableton or Logic or whatever, render it out and have a little audio clip and then sort of splurge a load of ideas, then go back, listen to them and thinking, okay, what, what can be... But it's funny because you do get that. Um, I found a track the other week. I found a track the other week um, on my hard drive. And I thought, crikey, what, 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 where's, where, what, where are all the files for this? And I didn't have any clue, remember making it, just an idea I jammed out. And not only that, it was like um, the thinking in the track was a little bit different um, in terms of like, did I write this sort of thing? Uh, you know, did somebody else give me this? I was thinking it was a nice um, surprise. I like things like that. Um, you do find that sometimes. And, and on the other hand, I, I had a couple of ideas which I've been working on the last couple of weeks, which I did years ago. And I couldn't find, I couldn't make them work. I couldn't make them work. So something good, compelling, normally a group. Um, and it's like, yeah, this, this has got something, but God knows I'll sod it. I'll move on to something else. And I found it again. And it's like, whoa, whoa, I know exactly what this needs now. I know exactly what this needs. And I, and I like knocked it together in like half an hour. 
like, you know, feel good, you know, put the missing link in. It was like, you know, I had two sides of the triangle, I needed the third side, you know. I guess when you know your stuff and you know your process and you do live, you do live performance that it gets to become fundamental for you. Um, I hear your sound this time though, this time I hear that your sound this time around is better. Was there anything you added, anything you changed, anything you adjusted? Because it's fatter, it's it's more, uh, yeah, it's it's less bassy. Yeah, I, I, well, just, you know, um, I've still got that desk here, the big desk and the band, which is great. <laughs> I'm milking that for as long as I can. And it seems like the, the keyboard player is going to be really busy for the rest of the summer, so I'll probably, you know, be able to milk that to Lucy Awesome. From what I noticed is that it was easier for me to mix. It was easy for, I mean, not mix, but to uh, master, meaning that it fit. The other ones were really basic. I had to take out a lot of muddy, low-end stuff, but uh, it was nice. Now, yeah, I changed, I changed a couple of little things. I changed a couple of settings on things. I think also as well, like uh, the Tempest. I mean, I've had that thing four years now, but the, it, it, you know, this is a good sign whether you, a piece of gear is a piece of gear or an instrument. And that is, the deeper you go into it and the longer you go into it, the more satisfying the results come out. You know, that's what separates um, the, the boxes that are instruments and the boxes that are just, you know, whiz bangs, sonic gadgets. You know, you go deeper, you go deeper. I mean, I had this with my samplers I've had over the years and that. You know, uh, my bass guitar, always something you find. I've known those four strings and those 21 frets for over 30 years, but always there's always something new to find, you know, on any instrument, uh, even if you've played it for over 30 years, like me and the bass guitar, you know. So it's just digging deeper. And I, I really recommend, I mean, I do think, you know, um, one of the greatest liberations you can have creatively is limitations. You know, look at Jimi Hendrix, look at Jimi Hendrix. One guitar, three pedals, amplifier. And there's, 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 there's boffins in California designing outboard racks and stuff like this, and multi-effects processes, so people can just try and capture some of that. And that guy just had it. Dig deeper, dig deeper. If you've got limitations, and this is why I work with a very limited number of things in Ableton next to the machines, you know, a couple of soft synths and stuff like that, because you get deeper, you dig deeper. For me, it's better. I noticed that you also spreaded the program out a little bit. Not too many changes uh, every 16 bars or whatever. It seems like you stretched it out. You stretched it out a little bit, which was kind of nice as a little bit different than the last two. That's good to hear that change. Were there any synths you took you took away or you added to this particular um, show? No, I just I I kept you know it's the same setup as always. Tempest and the JX03, and then a couple of soft synths running out of Ableton, a 101 emulator, a Prophet 5 emulator, couple of bits of audio, couple of tracks of audio, and that's it really. This the, the, this set has definitely got more space in it. I think that's like I don't know the the space that's opened up in my head from not working, uh, at least having to juggle the work with other things. Because like my work, especially in summer, can get very invasive. Fifteen hour days are not uncommon, uh, and it invades everything. And I think that's just a reflection, yeah. you know. Play it like you feel it, you know, that's what I say in the blues, isn't it? 
<laughs> what do you think the listeners should feel or embrace what they feel on this particular? Um, I hope they get something positive from it. That's all. They're not, <laughs> they're not disgusted by it. I mean, it's, that's a really tough question to answer. Look at the Beatles. Their music has given joy to billions around the world, yet Charlie Manson used their music as a soundtrack to a massacre. Boom. You know, so obviously something in the Beatles flipped Charlie Manson. Didn't flip anyone else, it doesn't flip me. Fills me with joy when I hear their music. It was a good, it was a nice selection of ideas and music that, that had a nice sort of flow to it and a nice direction yeah. to it. Um, and um, because like I've got the time to work consolidated on something at the moment so I could keep my focus on it you know I didn't have to go off and wipe Kiss's ass for a day or stuff like this or you know or you know sort out Iron Maiden or anything like this it was just a chance for me to yeah keep I suppose it was just easier for me to keep in whatever space was coming. I mean, I always kind of have an idea where I want to go, but it's also music suggests things to you. It's like conversation. You start a conversation on one topic, so you go, yeah, but have you thought about this aspect? Oh yeah, I never thought about that. Dun, 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 dun. And I had a chance to sort of be in that kind of more sort of meditative space. <laughs> well, great. Well, I hope you had a good time making it uh, for us today, and, and we we're very. I'm very excited to get to it, to listening to it. So, I'm gonna have to say thank you so much, J Lab, again, and we will all surely enjoy this programming that you're doing, and I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, let's let's listen in to. J-Lab's live performance for the Decisive Podcast Series bi-monthly. Thanks a million again, J-Lab, and have a great, great summer. Will do, and same to you. All right, buddy.
Hopefully you enjoyed the program today. The Decisive Podcast, bi-monthly live series with J-Lab doing his thing. Um, I really love this guy. He always brings it every single time. Don't forget to go to our Facebook page. There's a lot happening, live streaming, more podcast, radio show, and our new campaign. We need each other. And this is the initiative I started, um, and I've decided to collect all photos of our friends and DJs and colleagues worldwide wearing a mask. We need your support. We need you to... um, know that we all love to create we do a lot of hard work to try to give you the best programming and present new music to you all the time and doing these trying times the help is very well needed don't forget to go to podomatic there you can check out the uh, podcast in its entirety with a lot of other podcasts and then after the interview set a segment of the program you can go to soundcloud and check out the mix in its entirety without any interruptions at all thank you very much and hopefully you will stay safe during these trying times until next podcast we have lots coming stay tuned roberto q ingram out of here ciao Thank you.